Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Hello, friends. Welcome again today to another edition of the Pinkleton Pull Aside Podcast, where we like to talk things in areas of life, leadership, lessons therein. And we tend to do that through the worlds of, of sports, of comedy, of authors, pastors, leadership, people with great stories. And we're hitting the sports world pretty good today. We've got with us uh, my new friend, Amos Martin, who I met through a guy that will be on here uh, uh, that's on a past episode, Kurt Sodder from Louisville. And uh, if you ever get down to Louisville, Kentucky, the connections and the men of God down there are abundant and they're they're robust. And uh, Kurt introduced Amos and I, and uh, he was playing football in a time and a period of my life when I was young and learning and growing and definitely was very familiar with his Minnesota Vikings. He played five years for the Minnesota Vikings, and every other year that he was there, they went to the Super Bowl. I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this, but it's a no-brainer. If you, things would have stayed the way they were, the Vikings would have been in the Super Bowl every other year. They should have signed you to a lifetime contract. Exactly. You know, as I've always said that, you know, I left in 76, and the Vikings haven't been back to the Super Bowl since I left. So I think there's a connection there, obviously. What, what position would you play today at 70, 74, correct? <laughs> yeah, I'd play bench for sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm too wounded. These guys are getting too big and fast for me, even though I was pretty good size when I played. Yeah. It was fun to look back. And one of the things I did was I went back and looked at some of the rosters of those teams. I told you that was in my elementary getting start. Yeah, elementary school days. And in fact, I had a teacher back then who talked to my parents and myself one day and said, does Jeff know he can do book reports on things that are outside the world of sports? And I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, but a lot of those sports books I was using were uh, very small, so I'd get through them pretty quick, and he had a lot of really cool pictures. And Fran Tarkington was a guy I had my eye on, and Chuck Foreman, mm -hmm. and Ahmad Rashad, who, of course, to a, a younger generation, they probably don't even know he played football. They think of him through uh, NBA and NBA The Inside Stuff and things like that, and Jim Marshall and Alan Page and uh, – you were part of some, some nice teams were there. What's something maybe about those Minnesota Vikings teams back then and Bud Grant would we not know? What would we not know about those teams that maybe you would only experience and know about as a player? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I think everything was pretty well reported. I guess uh, probably many people at that time didn't know of the uh, Christian connection with professional athletes. You know, it's always been sort of disguised and even back in those days, which, you know, when I went, uh, when I was drafted, I wasn't not a Christian, but I was pretty amazed at uh, a lot of the Christian guys on the team, which I didn't know what their deal was. And I was clueless to what did they have that was sort of special. But I think that was pretty much not revealed, which it's, it's a little more evident today, but not like it should be, not like uh, – you know, when they were, everybody was on their knees praying for that young man in Buffalo. Uh, they don't get to see that kind of stuff, and uh, it's a shame that we don't. 
you probably played at a time when it was before there were team chaplains and all that kind of stuff. Is that right? No, we had uh, we didn't have a chaplain, but we had a chapel service. Okay. Uh, and different speakers came different weeks and different locations, and uh, I'm not even sure who coordinated that. I don't know if it was partially through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, uh, but we had chapel service every week, and I guess I don't remember us not having a speaker wherever we went uh, that somebody took charge. But uh, it was that was always a that was a major influence in my life was the chapel services. Wow. That's super cool. Mm-hmm. Before we get back into some football, give us your like three minute come to Jesus story. How did you uh, come to know the Lord? Uh, year one. And, you know, I made it, in the, I was drafted and made it on the team. And it was uh, just, you know, my whole life was based on prof- playing professional football. If I could just make it there and I made it. And as I looked back after year one, it was pretty a selfish on my part, I had a wife and a young child and yet it was, it wasn't something was something was missing. And I remember reading a phrase, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. And in year two, I was, I was lost because I had everything I ever wanted. I was somewhat famous back home in Bardstown, success, money, everything I wanted, yet something was missing. And, uh, but I started going to chapel services and, um, uh, through some supernatural force, it seems like I asked the questions that I had doubts about. And after attending chapel service, getting some of those answers, then uh, in Oakland, California in 1974, went to a chapel service, guy came and spoke, said, look, if you want Jesus to come into your life today, uh, and he said, all you have to do is ask. And I didn't like who I was at that point. And I said, I've got to do something. And, and I asked the Lord to come into my heart uh, that day in Oakland, California. And I remember leaving that conference room. I was waiting for something uh, supernatural to happen of apology, uh, uh, someone to congratulate me or something to happen, but uh, nothing really happened that day. But I know that that day that the Holy Spirit came into my life. I wonder how many football mm-hmm. fans over the years have prayed for people in Oakland, California to come to know Jesus <laughs> with all those crazy <laughs> Raider fans and some of those crazy Raiders that played back in your time and a little bit later with Ken Stable right. and a whole bunch of other guys. So that's kind of neat. It was uh, actually in Oakland. So when we talked offline before, Amos, you um, grew up in Bardstown, which I'm very familiar with. I take guys typically twice a mm. year to the Abbey Gethsemane, just south of Bardstown. And I've never drawn, right. I've never driven through there and thought metropolitan football town. <laughs> what? Uh, when did you fall in love with football? What was that like? How young were you? And how early in your Bardstown days was it like your – a mad passionate football kind of guy? Oh, just, you know, junior high school. I mean, you know, in the middle school, they didn't really have much below that of, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. And uh, this was more sixth, seventh and eighth and um, started then. And, um, but I was, I was all around athlete. I, I played all sports, you know, back in those days you could play everything. And, but football was my love. And, you know, it had a good senior year there and, and I was actually a quarterback and a linebacker and uh, thought that, you know, I could really play quarterback. But I went to U of L and they had some big time guys there and they said, look, we're going to send you over to play linebacker. And I said, that's fine with me. And actually, I grew uh, when I reported in at U of L, I was about six, three and a little over six, three, two oh eight. And then in the spring of that year, I was six, four and weighed two thirty five and had pretty good speed. so. 
it was and linebacker was always where I wanted to be after that. Mm. That's so funny hearing those measurements in today's mm. NFL. That's a it's a little bit different. Yeah. You might you might have been a uh, gosh quarterback or something. Now you'd you'd be playing a different role in defense, I would think. Yeah, you know they've got um, most of the linebackers. They don't see a, as much height as you know. I was I was taller and but. You know their their weights getting up in the two forties and two fifties at linebacker, and they seem like they can almost play defensive end at the same time. And so, but at that time, yeah, I was uh, a little bit oversized, probably for most of the linebackers of that day. Mm. Wow! So we hit on the the Vikings teams that you were part of. Three of the five went to the Super Bowl. Sadly, lost. I remember those games. I remember watching the Steelers game a little bit there. That was your last one. What was that like? I mean, we always talk about. You know, well, at least you were in a championship game or whatever. And, 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 you know, any sport where there's a tournament, where there's a playoff, the only team that wins their last game is the team that wins it all. Everybody else loses their last mm-hmm. game. Were you guys over those five years thinking more about losses and you were defeated and discouraged? Or were you guys feeling re- really good day in, day out, year in and year out because you'd gotten to the pinnacle three times? Uh, I think, you know, the, the Vikings had gone to the Super Bowl in 69. And lost that. I was not there. And so I got there in 72. We didn't have a very good year. That was my rookie year. It was like seven and seven. And then Bud said at the end of that, he says, y'all be ready next year. He says, we're going we're gonna to be back. And we came back strong and went to Super Bowl the next two years. Off uh, one year because of the Roger Staubach Hail Mary pass. And then went back again. But each of those, you know, looking back at those experiences, they were phenomenal of – the hoopla and the whole thing and the press and, you know, just all the stuff and families there and stuff. But really, as far as the impression is, uh, they were losses. And that was, you know, each year, I mean, we didn't think about going back to the Super Bowl and losing, obviously, but still the goal was to get back each year. But we never did perform. The, the first couple, you know, the Pittsburgh game was the only game that was even close. The rest of them were blowouts. And, uh, we just didn't show up, and I had no idea what, why that is. They didn't show up for the 69 Super Bowl. And, um, you know, as great a coach as Bud was is – I hadn't figured it out. But, you know, looking back on those, there it was great to be there, but it was quite disappointing in that, to leave there in the locker room, just thanking the Lord that we were there, but at the same time say, this is this is a little depressing. Sure. So I'm curious, you, you referenced Roger Staubach. Okay, this is on audio, not video, but I can see right behind you, there's a there's a framed picture you have up, and Roger Staubach mm-hmm. is in the picture. My sister reached out to me the other day, and my dad's turning 80 coming up, and she goes, who do you think dad's favorite athlete is who's still alive? The only name that came to me right away was Roger Staubach. I thought my dad did like Roger Staubach quite a bit. You as a follower of Jesus most of your life and coming to know the Lord professionally while you were with the Vikings – what, what did you think of, and what do you think of Roger Staubach as a man, as a athlete, as a follower of Jesus? I mean, he obviously is a guy, you know, with his Naval Academy background, he carries a lot of respect with his name. What's your impression, and what have you thought over the years of Roger Staubach? Oh, he's, he's a fantastic leader and uh, athlete. Quite honestly, I don't know too much of of his Christian connection, Um I'm just not familiar with it, uh, but, you know, I've always admired him as a, as a man and, you know, and haven't really heard too much of his Christian testimony, but I'm, I'm sure he's a strong Christian witness. Mm-hmm. 
So you watched the Super Bowl. We had that recently. What do you see when you see that now compared to back when you played? Because there's a lot to it. I mean, my wife was asking me. We were going to party that night when we when the Super Bowl was on, and she said, so we'll be home at, I said, oh, about 11 o'clock. I said, you know, the game takes forever because of halftime and, and whatever else, and there's a whole lot more pomp and circumstance with it and huge halftime show and all that. For, uh, you know, an older school guy probably like yourself playing when you played, do you look at it and kind of shake your head and feel like it's too much? I mean, I don't even know how these guys prepare for a game because it's not your typical game. I mean, there's so much time at halftime you're waiting around and – all this, you know, song and dance and a whole bunch of other stuff? Or do you say, no, it's just grown into, into being a pretty impressive thing and you respect it for what it is? No, I think it's, I think you've extended it too much is, you know, all the, the, the drag in the beginning, like you said, those athletes came out there and then seemed like they stood around for a long time for game time. Now that doesn't mean that their performance was restricted or anything. Now, at halftime, we always had a longer, a much longer halftime than what was uh, normal so uh but you know most of the time we weren't in the best of shape anyway so we probably need a little bit more time <laughs> at halftime anyway yeah. but uh yeah i think i think it's gone just a little bit uh, for the player standpoint you know is the crowd you know that's what they pay for and what the tv's paying for but it just seems like it just goes on forever and ever and uh you know maybe they cut the well they can't cut the television short either so yeah, I'd, I'd say it's a little tough standing on those sidelines if you're all warmed up and you get cold after a while. Yeah. Let's jump to a thing I like to do called the rapid five. So I got these five quick hitting, fast questions I'll ask and just kind of the first thing that pops into your mind and have a little fun here. So, Amos, what is your favorite childhood snack or cereal? <laughs> uh, you know, I, even though I was semi-prepared for this, I was really trying to think what it was. I guess I was... Um, uh, Cheerios lover and always loved Snickers candy bars. And, uh, me and a buddy of mine used to, you know, get a nickel or a dime and we'd go up to the, uh, local mom and pop store and always get a, a popsicle up there. I can remember those real well. And we had two, we'd get two, or if we had, you know, 10 cents or 15 cents, we'd get three a piece and, and guzzle them down. You know, it's funny if people aren't familiar with Bardstown, they can't appreciate it, but Picturing what you're saying, I can picture it because Bardstown's got a neat little in-town, downtown area. I've eaten at that uh, cafeteria there, Stephen Foster's, several times and uh, a couple times anyway. Mm. And Bardstown's such a neat, neat town. So I can I imagine this well. Sure. Amos, what is your favorite mm. book you most like to gift to other people or that you would want to get in the hands of other people? Well, you know, is my book that I wrote several years ago, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. That's... That's my go-to book now is, you know, anybody that I feel that is searching for the Lord or even, uh, again, the whole book was written as a devotional. And there's so many people that don't really spend much time with the Lord. And uh, and even if they do, I've given it to, you know, as soon as somebody mentions it, uh, that's the first, that's, that's my go-to book. And uh, even though uh, I'm a big devotional reader, and I guess the number two would be one of Max Licato's devotional books. Mm -hmm. They're pretty simplistic, very even thought, but they always tie to scripture. So uh, that would probably be my next one. And again, trying to get people to a little bit more, as opposed to giving them some, some book that's pretty deep in the case for Christ or uh, one of those, um, that'd be my go-to. So give us a little bit more. You wrote a book called Time Out for God. It's on Amazon. It can be purchased. Talk about that. And what, what made you decide to write a book? 
Max Licato, like I mentioned, he was one of my first entrees into devotionals. And again, part of it was I went to a seminar and they uh, asked us questions about how much time we spend with God. I was pretty ashamed of that. And the guy made us commit to five minutes a day with God and asked us if we'd raise our hand to commit to it. Then he said for a year, well, I'd raise my hand. And so I was reading the living Bible in New Testament and I sort of get, I didn't really know where to start or so I started rambling, but then I said, I got to go to the bookstore. So I went to the bookstore and I got a little small book by Max Licato that would have been my five minute book. And I started reading those devotionals eventually uh, those devotionals and I got many others and I still read several today. They sort of spoke to me about things that I pulled off of those. And I started writing some, I put them some on Facebook and, um, and my wife and I were actually went out West and on the way back. I, I said, you know, I really enjoy this writing thing. She says, well, you need to start taking time every day and write what your thoughts are. And I, I put some on Facebook, it seemed like they sort of took off and people were, saying I really enjoyed it and so I kept I had a, quite a few that already assembled and then uh, went to a buddy of mine and said look and he says well get after it and uh, that's what sort of how it originated that's so cool I love it. How, how many did you end up writing in there in your book uh well the, you know it's it's a book for every day of the year okay and, so 365. Uh, but there's it's not a you don't have to start in January 1 you can start right wherever you want to start right in the beginning sure. you know and usually it starts on monday there's a devotional for monday tuesday uh, a little short clip on wednesday thursday and friday there's a devotional and then saturday and sunday are little small words but a, more of a journal and then usually on mondays is a little story of my life oh, cool. so you get a an autobiography of me on monday as well as a devotional and sort of my life from the time that's five years old all the way to current day. So, you know, it, um, hopefully it'll get some interest. I'd, I'd given one to a friend of mine and he says, he says, Amos, it's amazing how my life parallels yours. Mm. He said, it's, uh, the years were separated between me and the Lord, but he says, I really can, you know, attach himself to him. So, um, that's it. We're all kind of leading the disciple in each other, aren't we? Yeah. Let's jump to number three here. I got sidetracked. I want to hear more about the book, but uh, let's say your family, how many, how many uh, kids, grandkids do we have? Great grandkids, whatever. I've got, uh, I've got three kids and they got, uh, had four grandchildren. Unfortunately, I had a granddaughter who passed away almost a year ago and uh, was killed in a car accident. Oh, wow. Uh, but older grandkids, one's graduating from college, another one's a freshman in college, and another one's a sophomore in high school. The man, I got two girls. And a, a grandson left. So, a great, great family. They're all here in Louisville, right here in town. So, we have many get togethers during the year and uh, love the grandkids, do a lot with them. And uh, so, it's a great, great family setting here. So, we, if we can stay on that for a minute. So, we, we, I mentioned our connection to Kurt, and Kurt made the connection with me, and you happened. And I had him on an earlier episode where him and another guy, Greg Nerder, talked about loss and grief. Both have crazy stories about losing their wives too young. What did, what did God teach you in that death of your granddaughter? How, how did you lean in, grieve? What did you learn about God through that tragic death? Well, is um, I guess we loved our granddaughter, but she was sort of um, the one that we didn't 
see as much of. She was more independent and seemed like she was doing more of her thing. And I guess the other, my other two granddaughters, we seemed to spend more time with. And so looking back on it, it was very regretful that, you know, that we couldn't have done more to, you know, have time with her and spend more time with her. And, you know, she was a, a freshman in college and was pretty distant in her freshman year. And, and my wife and I really are regretful that we didn't take more time. I've tried to concentrate on my grandson who's 15 and he and I meet every week now. And uh, I think that's part of that a relationship we had with her that's generated that meeting just so we, we spend time with each other. And um, so that's looking back is, and I think we all have that same thing. And, um, you know, is uh, had some other experiences that, we might not be here and somebody else might not be here, yeah. you know, this afternoon or here in an hour or tomorrow. And we got to make sure we've stayed close and we've told them I love them and not miss those chances. Cause, um, you might not give never get them again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Sorry about your loss to say the least. Yeah. So, so let me, let me, let's pretend you're taking your grandson who you've been investing weekly time in. Let's say you guys decide to do a road trip and you're heading to a, football game and maybe you're heading to see i don't know we'll, we'll say the browns we'll make it far enough away or pittsburgh far enough away but you can still get pretty easy access there and you're on your way and you, you're ready to stop for lunch and you see on an exit sign coming up these three places now the one place is not really going to be there but we're going to assume maybe you've traveled at some point and gotten it even though we don't have it here in ohio let's say you see mcdonald's chick-fil-a or in and out burger have you been to in and out burger before no mm -hmm. oh Okay, we'll have to cancel that. We will we will add in there. Uh, you, you don't have to add anything. I already got the first two. <laughs> my grandson, my grandson would be a Chick Fil A, and I would be uh, McDonald's sausage biscuits. Oh, Is my good. wife and I when we vacation? You know, we leave sometimes early in the morning and usually about mid morning before they close down the breakfast line. You're stopping. That is, that is my goal is to get the sausage biscuits. Yeah. Uh, and that's the only time I eat them is when we're on, we're on the road and uh, never really stop there for anything else. And, but I, uh, when I take him out after school on, I pick him up after school on Wednesday, we go straight to Chick-fil-A. So yeah. That's his go-to place. Which one do you go to there in Louisville? I'm curious which one you go to. Do you go to the one off of uh, the big one? That, now, the Chick-fil-A we go to is off uh, Bardstown Road. Yeah. There's one over there because that's on the way back from his school. He goes to a school that's maybe a, you know a couple of miles from there. So it's just that one happens to be in the path on taking him home. So it's the closest one. That's a, that's a pretty new Chick-fil-A. It only is several years old. Yeah, it's I, yeah, it's not too old. It's right there in front of Costco yeah. and uh, on Bardstown Road, pretty close. A lot of traffic there. It's not the even though they get pretty good service there. It's um, well, all of them are busy. But uh, yeah. you know, if we were at one of the others, I'd go to one that's not quite as much traffic, but they're hard to find. That one close to I forgot the name of the road. The one on uh, Gene Snyder Freeway, close to where you hop on seventy one and head to Cincinnati. Uh, it's a couple of exits right before you get on a 71 head north. Uh, that that one. Yeah, Westport Road. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. Bruce Smith is the, is the owner of that one, or he was the operator. Right. That one That one has crazy good business, to say the least. Yeah, yeah I know Bruce. I, uh, 
did some remodeling for Bruce. He's a good guy and does really helps us out with the uh, fellowship of Christian athletes. Oh, Great good. guy. Good to hear. Amos, what's a movie that when you were to stumble across this movie, you were to catch an eye for it, you're flipping channels, old school days or doing the different streaming services. And you saw this movie was a possibility. What's a movie that pulls you in every time hook, line and sinker. Well, most recently is Avatar. Uh, I've really enjoyed that, but that's most recently. But Old Time, The Goonies is a kid's movie, and you know, pirate story of looking for a pirate treasure. And they got some laughs in there. I remember even when my kids were growing up, we'd, we'd watch that over and over again and just crack up. And I remember laughing with them. And uh, occasionally I'll turn it on. There's a few scenes in there that I'll just watch again to, laugh so the goonies is a classic i don't think i would have guessed that one so that, that's a, that's i'm glad i asked the question because i would have never known that and <laughs> lastly amos who was your first celebrity crush hmm that is a good question uh young guy in bartstown growing up who was your first entertainment or whatever celebrity crush that's a good question i you know i don't know if it was um I was thinking of Donna Shore and Chevrolet head. And uh, I don't know if that was it. Uh, That's a tough question. Even though I knew that was coming, I still hadn't really thought of one that pops into my head that, uh, you know, really just uh, excited to to think about. I guess I I had so many girlfriends, I didn't need any little big stars (laughs) anyway. You know, it's funny. I I was a really little kid, but man, I remember those Donna Shore. Like variety show yeah. type things she did. She had the dinosaur show or whatever. And I could picture her yeah. as plain as day as soon as you said her name. So <laughs> now talk about, let's talk about building homes. So you've been in the home building business for 45 years. I guess you hear linebacker, NFL, Super Bowl, all that kind of stuff. It, it might connect a lot of dots, but I don't think we're probably thinking at least in today's generation, guys are going to retire from pro football and do that for 45 years. And you still have some <laughs> ties to it. Talk about that. Yeah, I was I was very fortunate as uh, and right there towards you know the last few years of my career, my six year career is we bought a house and uh, really enjoyed the house and, and the whole operation and it was right in the building process and uh, so actually uh, in the off season I wrote back the letter to these guys and say look you know I'm I actually got a real estate license and then I said look I'm I'm really interested in building and how you all do things. And maybe we could work out something and have a partnership. And they said, yeah, as soon as you come back in town, you know, we'll put up some money and da, da, da. And so we did that and I built six houses with those guys. And then we decided amicably to split up and they were in really good areas uh, that were uh, highly desirable, even though that was back in the sort of recessionary times as it got into the, early eighties. And, um, I had some lots that we split up because, you know, we had a, a builders bought lots in those days. And so I did and had houses and did that for, and I had a, a superintendent for them was a really good friend of mine. And, uh, I built houses probably for five or six or seven years. And, uh, one day that, that buddy came over to me and he said, look, uh, he had a falling out with uh, the guys who taught me the business. And then he said, uh, we'll see if you give me a job. I said, absolutely. And I hired him. He actually, you know, was my best friend for 
30 some years. We were accountability wow. partners for 35 years. And, um, wow. fortunately he passed away in a car accident about uh, five years ago, but that was a start. And, uh, eventually my son joined me and, uh, then we hit hard times in 07, 08. And he had to go his separate ways and do his thing. I told him, go ahead and take some contracts. And I was, I was building a lot of patio homes at the time. So it's been a great career and uh, very rewarding and I've loved it and uh, love working with people and trying to give them, you know, uh, one of the best investments they'll ever have in their life. Wow. Well, speaking of building 2017, you started Amos Martin ministries. You were 68 years old at the time. Most people are thinking, closing things down, stopping things, not moving forward. And you're like, no, I'm going to build something. So what was stirring in your life for you to say at 68, I'm going to start Amos Martin ministries. Um, sort of tied into the book. The book was in process at that point. And, um, you know, my passion has always been to motivate people to spend time with God. And that's where the book was headed. And that's where, and that's sort of my speaking is that I give my testimony. I talk to people about my passion and then, uh, you know, use scripture to, again, my goal is to try to motivate them to spend time with God. Everybody, you know, it seems like everybody gets busy and the first person we neglect mm -hmm. is the Lord. And uh, why is that? And we need a daily routine that, you know, we can spend time with God. He wants to talk to us and he wants to share uh, life with us and he wants to share direction with us. And if we don't spend time with him, how can we ever hear him? Yeah. Is uh, just just doesn't work that way. Is We neglect him and so my goal is, you know, in my ministry is the places that I speak through FCA, through churches. I've got several speaking engagements coming up next month and in longer, more of a church setting and is tell them about my life, my spiritual growth and and hopefully get them to commit to some time with God, a daily time with God, whatever, whatever it is. And I think most people, once they try, many people are unfamiliar with the Bible. And but if you just try small devotionals, that's what my book was for is to educate you a little bit about scripture, but about my life and hopefully, you know, motivate them to say, look, uh, this is should be more important to me than my daily living. Yeah, it's amazing to me. I've been using over the last I mean, I've had it for quite a while, probably several years, but. Uh, the Lord really started speaking to me about the verse of the day and the YouVersion Bible app, and then just digging through mm -hmm. with some devotional stuff there. And, you know, for the last probably nine months, but even more recently, last few months, God has really used that in my world with the men I work with at the gathering. And I wanted to use that to kind of transition. So our tagline in my day job with the gathering in the Miami Valley is connecting men to men and men to God. And that sounds like something right. that probably resonates real well with you. Why do you have a passionate desire from our previous conversation to see men, you know, be reached and, you know, much like you did in Oakland, California and reach their full potential in Christ. You know, I've always had a heart and my buddy of mine, we have a Bible study here that we do in the neighborhood and uh, got a Bible study I do on Thursday mornings with another group of guys. And, uh, but some people make the Bible too difficult is, and, and you don't need a lot to get started. And I think that's what people, you know, they're, sometimes they get fearful, you know, if I open up the Bible, if they open up the Old Testament and read some some of the stuff that goes on in there, sometimes they get turned off. And like you said, there's so many little devotionals on the Bible app. There's so many 
you know, the daily bread thing. If you just get started and if you just, you know, get some scriptures and get and the Lord will speak to you, He, you know, daily he will speak to you. I can't remember how many devotionals I've read where a buddy of mine used to get together, you know, ever several times a week. And I'd be thinking about something and I'd read a devotional and there would be, there would be God's answer right there. And I listened to Christian radio station and so many times he'll turn on the radio and bingo, there's God speaking again. So we can't neglect it and, and we can't, everybody seems to think there's times more important. And when you really look at how much time, how little time we spend with God, it's, it's, it's really uh, unfortunate. <clears throat> Well, let's end with this. Uh, COVID happened on a big scale to everybody, but COVID in that era for you was something else. You uh, suffered a heart attack in 2020. Then there was back surgery. You had both knees replaced. 2022, you had two cancers cut out of the scalp of your head. You probably thought COVID was nothing. So what was that period like for you? Was that, I mean, when you got something, a big crisis going on in the whole world and everywhere you go, and then you're having all this health stuff where you're like, all right, God, what are you doing here? What did, how did you grow in Christ? And what did you learn over the last few years of your life with health and COVID? Well, March of 2020 is when COVID just about started. And that's when I had my heart attack. And fortunately for, I was in ICU for probably a week or 10 days. And then, but about the time that ended and I went to rehab, I was in the hospital for 23 days. And toward the last two weeks of that, COVID hit, and they wouldn't let my wife in the hospital. So fortunately, I had my son and my wife were the designated ones when I was in ICU that I could see every day. But um, And the heart attack taught me a big lesson, too, is, is, again, back to what I mentioned about my granddaughter is, you know, my wife and I, as close as we are, is, you know, I thought about that heart attack and did and didn't have any idea it was coming. Did I tell her I loved her that morning? Because, you know, it's, I was unconscious for four days. Mm. And same thing with other people is our life is so unknowing of when the end's going to happen. But so through that and, you know, the, the heart attack, and again, uh, I was just, you know, praise the Lord, I'm, I'm still here. And I was so thankful to you know, that I was still in, you know, I've been in rehab pretty much football. And so rehab's nothing to me. You know, I just, you know, say, look, I'm going to get better and work at it. And same thing with the the back surgery. I'm going to work it at it. I'm actually swinging a golf club again. Mm. My knees have been doing that. And then, uh, then I had these pretty serious, one serious cancer in my scalp. And, but I know the Lord's taking care of it. I, you know, through these, through these events, you know, I think God sometimes says, do you really trust me? Do you really trust me? And many times we're, you know, a little hesitant, but uh, I trust him. I know he's got a plan for me and I know it's a good plan and whatever it is, Lord, I'm ready. Well, no doubt, Amos, you seem like a guy who's still got a lot of life to live. You've had a robust, abundant life. You've lived out a couple of significant careers there. It's amazing to think how much longer you built homes and played football, but you obviously did well and played some football. We, we didn't even talk about you had a year with the Seahawks before you closed it down, but uh, really grateful for Kurt Sodder to make the connection with us and uh, look forward to, to meeting you in person sometime and uh, 
you know, I, I think any any guy that's got you invested, whether it's a 15 year old grandson, it's guys in the neighborhood, or it's your business partner and builder building partner for 30 some years, to know Amos Martin, I think is to make you a better man. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on today, and it's been a, a good experience. Uh, God is so good, and I'm just so blessed. And uh, and when you're, you know, if you're headed back to Bardstown sometime, let me know. We're not too far away, and maybe we'll hook up down there. And uh, we'll meet at that Chick Fil A. Really neat community. I still have a sister lives out there, so okay. I need to go see her sometime. We'll meet at that Chick Fil A, or you can come visit me at the uh, monasteries. So I'll I'll be scheduling a monastery trip very soon, so I look forward to yeah. meeting with you. Yeah, good deal. All right. Have a great day, Amos. Great talking to you. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Blessings, my friend. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.